Happy New Year, Danny. Happy New Year to you as well, Tyler. Doesn't seem right saying that right now. Considering in studio we're still 10 days away, so <laughs> not really, but might as well be considering the year. This drops as it turns New Year. How we're starting off 2021 is apparently with fucking Singapore slang. <laughs> yeah. We'll get into that more here in a minute. This is Fried Squirms, so we have to start off the way that we start things off. We're going to get high. Danny, what's in this joint? All right, so I brought you a king-sized raw paper cone, actually, and the strain that I brought over is one I've brought over before, but this particular strain is called Grunk, and it is a sativa-dominant hybrid, 70% sativa, 30% indica. The THC ranges anywhere between 20 to 24%. It is a cross of grape ape and skunk number one strains. The taste on this is a little harsh with a sweet grapey berry flavor that suddenly takes a turn for the pungent with a skunky earthy aftertaste that stays long after you finish smoking. And the high, essentially it says uh, you'll get a tingly head buzz that provides an uplifted sense of happiness. It also serves to slowly wipe away any lingering racing thoughts or mental pain. And then a relaxing body buzz follows, leaving you completely mellowed out with a slight feeling of sedation that lingers for hours long after you smoke. So some of that I could say, eh, maybe if you're a newbie, <laughs> you know what I mean? But for us experienced smokers, it's pretty nice. I mean, it's not one that gets you like super buzzed up, but it is definitely calming. I will say that much. Nice. I know I've bought this one before. I'm sure we've probably smoked it on the show, but it's been a while. So today I brought you a little J of some lemon amnesia. Nice. Hell yeah. It's a cross of lemon OG with memory loss. Ooh. Say that again. <laughs> <laughs> and another sativa dominant, as the name implies, you know, you're going to get a little bit more of the lemony, citrusy taste off of it. Yeah. Some of the phenotypes, every once in a while, you'll get a little bit of taste of uh, like some bubble gum in there. But it's, you know, the sativa high, you know, you're going to be mostly uplifted and stuff. But I think the amnesia is pretty apt. <laughs> That's one where like, I'll walk into the kitchen and forget why I walked in there. So, oof. Well, a good start is you're in the kitchen, <laughs> right? It's always a good start. Well, let's fire these bad boys up. And we'll get into the guts and bolts of Singapore slang. Guts and bolts. All right, guts and bolts. Who and what went into the making of this flick? Spoiler-free setup. What the? How am I supposed to give the people spoiler-free setup on the? All right. <laughs> A man searching for the truth of what happened to his lost love stumbles upon and becomes the captor of an insane mother-daughter duo. A shenanigans ensue. <laughs> Man, that is the light version. Wow. But it's accurate. Super accurate. Look, if you clicked on this because you're like, what the fuck is a Singapore sling? Because I think this is going to be one of those flicks that not a lot of people have heard of, unless you run in certain circles. Absolutely. Then, yes, I just gave you the super light version. Wait till we get to our warnings for this to understand what this movie is about Wow! before we get into it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, man. So from week to week, we do like to talk about the people who go into making the film and the actors and actresses who appear in front of the camera. And this week, our director and writer is Nikos Nikolaitis. He's a Greek filmmaker and some films of note from him. And before we even get into talking about his films, he actually was known because he worked in television advertisements for about 20 years, and he managed over 200 of those television advertisements as director. Damn. Yeah. So, okay. So in 1975, his debut film is called Ivridiki BA 2037. It premiered at the Thessaloniki Festival of Greek Cinema. And from then on, he went on to do such films as The Wretches Are Still Singing, Sweet Bunch, Morning Patrol, See You in Hell, My Darling, The Losers Take It All, and The Zero Years. Now, unfortunately, he did pass back on September 5th, 2007 in Athens, Greece. And even before that, he had stopped making movies pretty yeah. intentionally. For sure. All right. So moving forward, we have cinematographer Aris Stavro. And Aris, he's known for a lot of Greek films. I'm sure some that we've probably never even heard of before. But some of those do include such films as Sweet Bunch, El Greco from 2007, and Tomorrow Will Know from 1997. The editor on this is Andreas Andridakis. And this is really the only film of note from them. 
The music was composed by several different people, and I'm going to mention this because it wasn't necessarily composed by these people. I mean, it was, but not for the film. It's yeah, just, they just music use, off the soundtrack. Yeah, and they give them a composed credit, which is weird. Right, but. so, but with some of those artists are Sergei Rachmaninoff, Jacques Devert, yeah. Glenn Obviously, Miller. Obviously, Rachmaninoff and yeah. Glenn Miller didn't actually compose oh, no. music for this. <laughs> not for this film. <laughs> and Julie London, and like I said, this is all the soundtrack music. All right, this was produced by Mary Louise Bartholomew and Nikos Nikolaitis. Production companies were Cinekip and Greek Film Center. The distributors were Greek Film Center. They helped with all media. Restless Wind helped with the 1990 Worldwide All Media. And Synapse Films helped with the 2006 United States DVD release of this film. The release dates were September 13, 1990 at the Toronto International Film Festival in Canada and October 1990 in Greece at the Thessaloniki International Film Festival. I do have a tagline, and it is Trapped in a Deadly Game of Torture and Murder. Okay. All right. So the cast, we have a lot of people to get through, so bear with me. Oh, you know what? To go along <laughs> with your tagline, yeah. I should probably point out that there is, there a, is a subtitle. Sub. You're right, but so I don't want to mention it. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't really give too much away, but a little bit. Maybe a little bit. So if you want to go in super clean, close your ears for like three seconds. <laughs> it's Singapore Sling, colon, The Man Who Loved a Corpse. There you go. All right. So I mentioned we have a lot of people in this cast, and I was being definitely facetious because there's only three people that you need to talk about. <laughs> All right. So the first person I'm going to mention is Meredith Harold. She plays the role of daughter in the film. And some films of note from her. She was in the film Girl with the Suitcases. She was also in the film Country House. All right, we have Panos Penasoulis, and he plays Detective Singapore Sling in the film. It would have been funny if it was Panos Cosmatos. No, man, I was like, man, Panos is such a badass name. But Cosmatos is even more badass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So Panos, he's known for the films The Last Wager and No Sympathy for the Devil. And last but not least, we have Michelle Valley. She plays the role of Mother. And some films of note, she was in Morning Patrol, the film Pretty Smart, and a film I'm actually really curious about. It's one that's on Shudder. I've heard some really good things about it. It's a film called Dogtooth. Oh, oh, she's in Dogtooth. Yeah. Okay. I was like, whoa, that's pretty awesome. So yeah, that rounds out cast and crew. You gave us a setup. I'm, I'm curious about one thing. There's three people in this movie. Is it Panos in the bandages? Um, that's a good question. Not yeah. to give too much away, but... No, no, no. You know, I don't know if I've ever seen a credit for that particular character. Okay. Yeah. Because it, it wouldn't surprise me, though. be Panos. I say it definitely wouldn't surprise me. There is one other person of It could note. also very easily be like camera guy B. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, assistant to whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stunt cock. <laughs> All right. I'm not sure who that is, to be quite frank. But okay. it, like I said, it wouldn't surprise me if it were Panos. But without further ado, we do have to give some warnings. Warning. Okay, first warning <laughs> is that these warnings might technically be mild spoilers. Yeah, keep that in mind. But nothing can truly spoil you for this movie. Man, yeah, I mean, if you're going to follow us and you've never seen this film, but you do want to listen to it, we do have to give you these warnings. Warning. Incest. Yes. Simulated necrophilia. Yes. I don't even know how to. <laughs> They're simulated fellatio. Yes. Say that. Well, okay. So this movie is art house in all the super generic European ways. So we've talked about a few other movies that we've called art house from time to time on here. None of them yet have touched on how sexy art house can get. <laughs> oh, man. So there is just. Lots of sexy time. Lots of nudity. Yeah. Lots of sexual themes. Yes, there are. A full kind of master-slave relationship. Yes, there is. Some gore. Yeah, there's that. There's maybe implied cannibalism, too, during dinner yeah. scenes. Rape. <laughs> yes, lots of that. <laughs> oh, there is water sports. Yes. <laughs> there's pissing and puking. Yes, there is. Wow. And uh, overall, okay, overall, a lot of what happens can be termed sexual torture, but I'd say only maybe one or two acts of true sexual violence, if that makes sense. Yeah. 
There was definitely one big bad one, but yeah, yeah I know what you're saying with that. Makes sense. Although there's a lot of sexual torture. Yes, precisely. Like you were saying, not a whole lot of violence with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not like somebody's slowly getting their dick cut off. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's like there's a sexual element to it. There's a torture element to it, but it's not what you would immediately think of when you put those two words together. And especially some of the films we've reviewed in the past, too. So Right. Yeah. This is a hard one. Uh, you can see that? Yeah. <laughs> this is a hard one to warn without just going into the specifics of what they do. But it is among the more extreme movies we've done as far as content is concerned, if not the actual graphic detail on screen. (laughs) Yeah, you can definitely argue that. I don't know. I think that's going to be the best we can warn you. Just know that this is European, sexy, dirty, nasty, grungy art house. (laughs) I like it. And let's go into uh, how it made us squeal. How does that make you squeal? All right, so fucking Singapore Sling is what we decided to start the year with, huh, Danny? I know. it. You know what's really interesting, (laughs) and I I like when this kind of stuff happens, is this one came down to a coin toss. Yeah. As we had mentioned last week, because of the fact that we had done two kind of horror comedies, maybe slight lighter on on the horror side dude like we said about rare exports if it wasn't for 20 old man dicks <laughs> it's family friendly yeah 100 percent. well 20 old man dicks and like 10 f-bombs right but even with that it's still pretty tame mm-hmm. you know and the week prior to that we did i sell the dead which is more of a comedy horror more so than horror comedy i guess you could say but i mean this is a comedy yeah there is dark humor in this without a doubt there's comedic moments but it's it's done in the face of some nasty stuff going on in this film. Well, and also just how do you describe this? Like, what genre is this movie? Oh, yeah. Because it, Art it's House kind of is a cl- vague descriptor. It, We've it went is. into that before. It that, is. It's just kind of a curtain statement, you know, or a blanket statement that you can throw on certain films. Mm-hmm. And this one definitely falls in Art House, but a whole different Art House genre within itself. There's definite film noir. Yes. I mean, it leans heavy on that. In a lot of ways, maybe that's the roots in this film. Like, that's where everything else stems up from. But, like, dude, Panos, is in, like, classic film noir. Right. But, like, the mom and daughter, the way they play their scenes is more (laughs) like they're doing a stage adaptation of film noir. I was going to say they're more like putting on a stage show. Yeah. With a lot of black comedy. Yes heavy what like just erotic elements <laughs> lots sex of sexy elements. stuff man yeah. it's not like sexploitation no 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 not to that degree oh, i mean man. that's part of where the art house comes in because some of the nudity and shit i mean was that a fig i think i've seen people refer to it as a kiwi okay i could see it being a fig too but kiwi fig regardless food but like a chick just fucking smashes a fucking fig or a kiwi Oof. just all over her junk. Yeah, she's just horned up, man, to 11. I don't know. Maybe this should have been in the warning, so I'll bring it up early in case people are still deciding <laughs> right now. Like, yeah. especially the daughter. But both of them are playing their characters beyond just them being hypersexual and homicidal. Ooh, yeah. They both have something else mentally going on with them as well. The daughter's tics are very similar to Tourette's. Yeah. She (laughs) repeats herself. She's very childlike in her mannerisms and what have you. Yeah, she's definitely in a state of arrested development, which we'll go into the probable reasons there. But (laughs) Yeah. And the mom has definitely taken on more of that patriarch role, you know, the patriarchy where there's always mentions of father, but we know at some point... The roles have kind of changed, Mm -hmm. you know. So, uh, yeah, there's some mental stuff going on with them for sure. I don't want to say what to extent, but what maybe schizophrenia and some other things, who knows, but yeah. But then part of the art house-ness of this is that most of the sex isn't just sex. It's power dynamics between the two, which kind of turns this into a fucked up family drama as well. I agree. What other genres does this fucking fall? Because 
I, <laughs> I don't know, man. You're right. This one is a hard one to ensnare in a sense, you know, with labels because it goes all over the place with stuff that kind of defy those conventions too. Mm-hmm. Part of the theatricality of it reminded me of not just theater, but really badly done theater. <laughs> yeah. It's funny in that sense, I think, because it, it feels like they're rehearsing mm-hmm. the, the women specifically for a production. And I mean, a dude legit gets tortured in it. <laughs> yeah. It's not torture like we're maybe used to on this show, especially like starving him and shit. Oh, like, yeah. Like, that's torture. Of course it is. Yeah. <laughs> they're toying with him. They electrocute him, ride him while he's convulsing, mm-hmm. piss in his face. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he gets tortured. He gets tortured. It's definitely a horror movie that's not just a horror movie. It's a horror movie that's a horror movie almost because there's nothing else to call this kind of story. Because the stuff you're seeing is horrific in nature. You know, it's touching on taboo stuff. It's vile, but it's so artistic, (laughs) you know. And if you didn't figure it out by now, it's the mom and the daughter that are in the master-slave relationship that we mentioned in the warnings. That is something else, man. So, okay, you've seen this before, though. Like, I have, this was I, I my own first this time. Film. <laughs> yeah, this was my first time. So that's kind of where I was wanting to head into is I was going to ask you prior to us even picking it last week, I was going to ask how much or, or how little of it have you had heard of prior to this review? I had heard almost nothing about it. I've heard the name come up in some of the more extreme groups that we, <laughs> we look through. No doubt. And the site that I watched it on... You know, I don't know just how legal some of their catalog is, so I'm not actually going to plug them right, right now. I know what you're saying, but they do have quite a selection of things to sift through. And they had this in really high quality. But besides that, under most of the movies are also user comment sections. And all the fucking comments were glowing. And I was like, okay, we must have some... Like, it intrigued me. I'm like, I've seen this come up before in certain places, so I know it has to be screwed up. But the comments I was seeing were not the kind of comments I was expecting to see. Even for, like, a well-made, I don't know, like, extreme splatter film or something. The kind of comments I was seeing were something I would see more along the lines of, like, I don't know, somebody commenting on The Lighthouse. Yeah. I think because they do share the black and white and Mm -hmm. a little bit of a a time period piece, too, you know? Yeah. By the way, like, Pete, did you guys like The Lighthouse but thought it needed more incest? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Right. Yeah. Like, come wasn't enough. Because have I got the movie for you? Mm. That being said, I fucking get it. I dig this movie. I'm glad you do, dude. It's a fucking great movie. Yeah. You have to be in the right mood for it. No, this is one that I would recommend to just a limited amount of people that I know, but it is one that is such a beautiful film to look at, but you know the content. I'm positive I don't understand it. Yeah. And I'm positive I also understand it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Part of it is simple. It's the story. It's literally the story that's being told. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there's a lot of stuff that's going on beyond that as well. Mm -hmm. Partially just because, like I said, it's pretty obvious early on that even though the sexual stuff is happening, you know, within the context of the movie, it's a stand-in for their power dynamic. Without a doubt. This poor guy's in the middle of all of that, you know, but it is what it is. My hesitation with talking about this movie, I guess, is the fact that it's definitely a movie where we can't go into the weirdness of every scene or else we're going to have a fucking another cell episode. That would be a long episode. I don't want to miss anything. No, but but you're right. We don't have to get into like full detail per se. Like if you're at all curious about this movie and you think you can handle the subject matter, go watch it just so that you know whatever it is we skip. Because we might skip something important. Perhaps. But we also just can't fucking, we can't pour into the dynamics of every scene of this I was going to say, in this film, it clocks in almost at two hours too. So we'd Mm -hmm. be at it for a bit if we were to try to tackle that brevity of this film. So... I guess the outline for the extreme basics of the story, I already kind of set up, right? Like, there's a dude who's out looking for whatever happened to his Laura. lost love, right? Laura. And he comes across this mother-daughter while they're burying a body. He passes out before he ever sees the body, though, doesn't he? Right. It's alluded that he might have, like, had seen them in that haze that he was in. But, you know, he's fucked up. 
He's already shot. You don't know anything about no, that. No, that's super ambiguous. You have no idea. You just know he wound up there. He ends up passing out in the back of their car? A car. A car, but you could probably assume it's theirs. He's already pretty sure that they have something to do with this all. Right, because he says something to the effect that Jasmine usually, you know, mm -hmm. it's the scent that he associates Laura with and it brought him to this estate. You get some scenes very firmly establishing that they are in a relationship that we'll get into all the details, but like there's a past there. He ends up showing up on the doorstep. They bring him in. Rather than kill him right away, they start fucking with him and bringing him into the games. One yeah. of the main games they already play is recreating them killing his lost love. Right. That's Secretary. This is the game they play. So they start fucking with him by having the daughter be the lost love to him and doing all their role-playing nice. around him. The name of the movie, they call him Singapore Sling because he refuses to speak. He keeps playing super dumb. <laughs> And they find the recipe for the cocktail in his jacket. Right, exactly. At a certain point, he recovers from his gunshot wound and becomes more active, which they're kind of cool with because that means they get to have more sexy times at first. Right, right. Until he ends up partnering with the daughter to kill the mother because she's been getting more and more pissed over all of this time. And then once it's just those two, <laughs> he goes for his revenge, ends up getting also mortally wounded himself. All three of them are dead by the end. Right, and that's the film in a nutshell. That's the very, very basics of what happens. Now, here's the thing. It's wacky from the get-go, because when we first see them digging the fucking grave, they're already half-naked. You see Bush in, like, the first 10 seconds of yeah, this fucking movie. Yeah, you see movie. Bush, you're seeing, you know, a lots of cleavage. I did find it interesting... As sexual as this movie is, as much nudity as there is, neither of them ever get completely naked. You're right. They're still wearing lingerie or some piece of clothing. Yeah. And generally just pushing it aside. <laughs> yeah. Get it, boy. <laughs> or mom or whomever. <laughs> and off the bat, it's not clear that they're in a relationship. Not, not until they get inside. You just think they're fucking psychos burying a body. Burying a dead body, yeah. Some of that's a little comedic. There's bits of comedy in that. Dude, the fucking hand reaching up. Like, yeah, hitting them. I was fucking, I was losing it. her mom when she's picking up the shovel. Not meaning to. That's also the most normal they are in the entire movie. That's a, Yeah, right. That's about it. Outside of, there's a little bit of a flashback sequence towards the end. Mm. Oh, yeah. But that's yeah, it. Yeah. That's it. That flashback sequence, I kind of wonder if Rob Zombie cribbed a little bit from that for it, Devil's Rejects. It wouldn't surprise me, man. It really wouldn't. And I kind of you know hope he did. Saying? Yeah, I know, I know exactly what you're saying. I kind of hope he did. <laughs> you're right. Within just that first couple of minutes, you get the voiceover with the detective, the guy, or what have you. And I was going to say, right. the bonkersness doesn't stop at the fact that they're already doing this mostly nude yeah yeah yeah. you also get the mom speaks some french every now and then that the daughter doesn't fully understand although i think there's a couple lines here and there that it seems like she catches i think you're right i think she plays a little dumb too sometimes but i think there's a couple times she legit is like i have no fucking idea what you say right and she does say it on occasion like what what, what? and the dude's not speaking right Not so it goes from them being in this sort of semi quote unquote normal horror comedy to him being super serious film noir right he's like playing it right down the middle yeah like you said the film noir tropes and that's also the kind of the charm about this film the way it's played between these different characters in the film like they're in two separate films <laughs> It's so jarring and wonderful all at the same... That only art house cinema really can bring together. And we keep throwing yeah. that word around, and I know it's super vague, but I have no other way to describe this. That's probably one of the best ways you can describe this, you know, without going too much into detail, because, uh, uh, once again, that is hard to describe this film. Especially upon rewatch, yeah. I think I do. But my first time through when I was watching this, I was kind of curious about... I didn't exactly buy his narration, I guess. It almost felt like what we were watching on screen his character do was just honest reactions to what happened to him. Because he was fucked up, suffering from a stupid amount of blood loss. Yeah, he was. And then got just 
concussed from that Luger. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm kind <laughs> of buying up. that, like, maybe he's not playing dumb and maybe he's just brain damaged for a little bit. Weak. Yeah, he's fucked up. Like, he's hazy and he just got super concussed. And so, like, I'm buying that he just can't tie his shoe and that's, like, the one thing he wants to do right now. Dude, what did you think about that? That refrain throughout the film? I thought it was neat by the end. Yeah. Most of the film, it kind of annoyed me because of just how stupid he was playing and they were buying it. And I understand that they're not all there, but it also feels like they get by well enough in life that they should have been like, dude, <laughs> like you're not alive if you're this dumb and out in the world. No doubt. Which is why I was like, maybe he's fucked up right now. I didn't trust his narration <laughs> the first time around, basically. Oh, I, yeah, yeah, I felt like... I felt like the way that it was being played was like the narration was trying to make what the character was doing on screen sound way cooler than what it was. <laughs> yeah. Like he was put through this terrible series of events, but he's getting the chance to tell somebody else about it. So he's putting it in a way that makes himself sound good. Yeah. This is his narration of the series of events. Well, you can't trust it because of the ambiguity of the things leading up to that. I do trust it more the second time through. Mm -hmm. I, I can't remember why. I think there was a couple lines about halfway through the movie where I'm like, oh, maybe he, I guess he is just playing dumb. And I can't remember exactly what it was that changed my mind. But I was like, I guess he's not just getting. But to be <clears throat> honest, having a narrator that's just rewriting the events on screen is completely within something this movie seems like it would do. Yeah, that's a good mm -hmm. point. Here's what I thought was interesting about this film, too. Knowing that this is a Greek film, right, is just doing a little bit of research with ancient Greek tragedies and all that stuff. And this is a thing I was like, man, this is where you can say, yeah, this film is definitely a Greek tragedy because of the structure, the way it follows the structure of a Greek tragedy. This is all it is. is it usually begins with a prologue, preliminary speech in which one character or more characters introduce the drama and explain the background, which they do that. <laughs> Right, that's the first daughter sitting at the chair scene, right? Her doing that, even him explaining what he's doing there. He's looking for Laura. <laughs> so, okay, we'll continue going through the tragedy structure mm -hmm. here in a second, but while we're talking about her sitting at the chair scene, yeah, yeah. when she's mentioning being raped by her father, <laughs> and we see basically the mummy simulating sex with her, I did go look up what a few other people had to say about this movie, once I got done reading it the first time, a lot of people seem to be under the impression that they actually keep father mummified in the house. Right. I didn't think that this time through. I thought that that was completely symbolic. I think you're more right with that. I think the first time through you could read, oh, maybe it's, yeah, they're keeping Pop. I don't think that's the case. I think if they literally had Pop, then because of how much she still yearns for him, then he would be worked into being a part of her going to the attic to smoke. Right, exactly. And I think he would be worked into later on when she does what in any other movie would have been a stylized dance sequence, but was instead <laughs> a solo simulated oh, sex sequence. Right. I think I totally father agree. would have been in both of those instances. And that's why I think you can make the argument that it's more symbolic because it's her telling the story of, or her reimagining of it. And if father was still around, I think the strap on would be on him during the games. That would make more sense. And the way she describes that too with mommy has a thing between her legs and you touch it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like Jesus Christ. And daddy, it grows like, <laughs> wow, man. That's kind of the things I was curious about your reactions to this film the first time through because I knew the content. I'd mentioned I've, I've owned this film for a while, but I've only seen it maybe once or twice. And it has been a long while just because it's a film you have to kind of prepare yourself for. But uh, I really was, <laughs> I was, I was giggling a little bit to myself while I was watching this because of that. I was like, man, I wonder what Tyler thinks about this shit. Man, this movie is wild. When it's obvious how arty it is, <laughs> a lot of me was immediately trying to figure out, like, okay, what's going on? Is this entire thing an allegory for something? Yeah. I don't think it is. I think this story is being 
told literally. It's just it's following <laughs> a certain structure that makes certain things surreal. No doubt. Characters follow certain structures that make their interactions with each other <laughs> somewhat surreal. Like, but I think all the action is quote unquote happening. You know what I mean? No, I, I totally agree with you there. Well, other than things that are like obvious flashbacks. And yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that makes sense. It's hard to explain because this movie is fucking all bonkers all over the place. Yeah, but. It is, but it does follow a plot. It, it has a story. It's I guess just, what I was getting so at much is like craziness. even things like when it got up to the that what you were talking about, like mommy yeah. has a thing between her legs and it goes <laughs> like as much as it was like shocking and I'm like, okay, I get what they're getting. Like it's fucked up. This basically they're confirming that this girl's been abused by both parents Whoa. since she was at least eleven. Right. And that's just the first time she describes having vaginal intercourse with her father. Doesn't mean things weren't happening before that. Precisely. It seems that her father being a murderer was very open within the house. Everybody was kind of in on it. It's just that he used to be the provider and now they're having to make do themselves. Yep. Which is harder, but they're getting it done. Exactly. Because there is a shift. Mm -hmm. So even shit like that, I was just like, okay, well, what's the difference between the way she's describing these things? And it was like... I don't know if this is what's meant in the script. I don't know if this is what I can't. Th what's the director? Nicolaitis. Name? I don't know if this is what he intended, but like mothers is described simply by how it affects her. Fathers is described as him being human. Yeah. Not only does it get big, but he also pees out of it. <laughs> Nothing about that is mentioned with moms. Moms yeah. just goes and goes up. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, man, it's interesting. Sure. <laughs> And so I'm like, I don't know if this is intended, but like, once you start getting this arty, I start questioning everything. I'm like, is this what's intended? Like, yeah. is she intentionally making this difference between them? Uh, man, I can say this. I can say this a little bit because of some of the things I've read about the director's comments on this mm -hmm. film is, you know, his intention was just to be somewhat of a comedy, you know, which we've mentioned. It is. It is. And he didn't expect it to gain kind of the cult status and notoriety that is kind of... It gets mentioned in the most extreme films, mm -hmm. you know. There are some arguments you can make that, yeah, there's some extreme shit, but there's degrees to this stuff, you know. Anywho, that was his intention. He just, he's just like, I just wanted to make a Greek tragedy with some comedy mixed in it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's more or less a, a little bit of a social commentary for the time period, too. And then it harkens back to the 40s and, you know, his influences and stuff like that. So I don't think we're supposed to read too much into this film, but it's easy to do because it's so much going on. Mm -hmm. So much. <laughs> I realized I was seeing it wrong the first time through when I watched it the second time through. But I would have fucking put money down the first time through that whenever it did those asides where she was talking to the camera and sitting in that chair in the side pose that we've brought up. Yeah. I could have <laughs> swore that it wasn't her mental tick. I realize now it was her leg moving, but I thought somebody was eating her out while she was doing that. And Dude. it was just part of like the mom and daughter like <clears throat> sex games that she had to try to like tell this story with a straight face. There's a lot of convulsions and just twitches and it's like she and mom, but she specifically is horned up throughout and it doesn't take much for her to get set off. No. Him first coming in. Oh yeah. She was like, oh. A man. It's like, uh, a man. And then, oh, he's unconscious. That means free ride. I'm going to rape him. <laughs> oh, man, that first sexual encounter she has with him when he's upstairs and she pukes on him and shit. Oh, well, I mean, that would be the second time. Because the first time is her mom interrupts. Because the first the time attack. is on the floor right in front of the, Jesus, inside man. the door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. The second time I was like, holy fucking hell, man. Wait, let's talk about the sex game. For, let's talk about the, <laughs> the secretary. Sex game, yeah, yeah, yeah. The it, secretary. It does set up some things in this film, for sure. I mean, it's the most important part in a big I way. I totally agree with that. Let's get into it. So they recreate when they killed the dude's lost love, Laura. Mm -hmm. Did they give the full name? Is it Laura Palmer? Oh, okay. okay <laughs> hold that thought. Hold that thought. They don't give a full name. It's just Laura. And the reason being is because this film is inspired by Otto Preminger's or Preminger's 
1944 film of the same name, Laura. Oh, okay. I mean, it's pretty obvious. Here's something that's interesting about that because I watched this film earlier on in the week and then I did most of my note taking on Saturday, which I normally reserve for Sunday, sometimes Monday. So I had some time on my hands and I was like, I've never seen that film, Laura. Cool thing about it, it has Dana Andrews and Vincent Price. Dana Andrews was the dude in, uh, was it Night of the Demon? Yeah. The old school film. And of course, Vincent Price, we've talked about him several times. But 1944, in his clean-shaven Vincent Price, young Vincent Price. Wow. Yeah, really cool. So I was like, okay, I wanted to see what the inspiration was behind it. And then you threw that out there too. And if anybody knows anything about David Lynch and Twin Peaks, Laura Palmer, it's like a direct inspiration. I was like, man, this is fucking crazy now. It's that this old film noir inspired two different directors who took it in two different directions, but they both revolve around characters named Laura. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so the daughter plays Laura, who comes in to interview. This is something that I think is important to know. She said the game always starts with her stepping foot in the house for the first time. So that's how they're recreating this story, Mm -hmm. this game. Yeah. When she was Laura, especially this first time, because later on she's playing up being Laura, but she's playing up being it to the dude. And it's in a much different circumstance. It is. is. This first time, though, did you ever see... (laughs) Secretary? I have. Yeah, I have seen that. Were you getting kind of like Maggie, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Gyllenhaal vibes yeah, yeah, from yeah. her? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which it makes me wonder how much of that film uses this as an inspiration, perhaps. I don't know. Because I was it, sitting there, I was like, I kind of feel like I've seen parts of this before. <laughs> yes. Coincidentally, ironically, what have you. Yes. And it's interesting to note, like, some people take inspiration from some pretty wild things. I don't remember the entire line other than like, <laughs> I just want to be called Laura and shit. Like playing off like that wasn't even her real name. I know. I don't remember exactly how it gets to her having to fucking blow the mom's strap on. It's like she just steps in and she's it's like, come kneel before me. And she asks her a couple things. And then like, as she's asking her, she just starts lifting up the skirt and she's like, now you know what you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Getting some head. She doesn't refuse it. And I'm like, I've seen this. Yeah, I know, right? And it's then, casting couch, right? Yeah, and then she <laughs> takes her on the desk, and you know, she's like, last time you got too rough. She's like, oh, you ain't janking the shit out of my hand. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite fucking things in this movie is that like every once in a while it felt like the daughter was breaking character, and she would get really real for a second, like, what the fuck? <laughs> I know, but she's just like, wow, you twist the shit out of my hand. <laughs> Um, <laughs> that leads into maybe my favorite, like, arty scene of the movie where the daughter's sitting there having her breakfast, mm, yeah. and at the same time, she's watching the flashback of how they actually killed her, but it's not her still, it's the way they replay it. Exactly. Yeah, because it looks like they spilled her guts in the kitchen. Mm hmm. Put that shit all in bowls and pretty gnarly. <laughs> I love how blood and guts look in black and white. I know. It looked good. It looked really good. It, yeah, can, it, it can hide a lot of flaws is what mm-hmm. it can do. And if it's well done black and white like oh, this was. it really stands mm-hmm. out. Yeah. That looked really good. I just love how all that played out. Like showing her just sitting there like this is just her every day. Yeah, this is routine. And while her every day is happening, her every day is sitting there and looking over to where they did this. But it's not what they did. It's how they replay it. In the game. (laughs) She is pretty gnarly. (laughs) I'm wondering, there's no way that it actually played out like this with Laura, though. I don't think wholeheartedly, no. I think they're fabricating some of the details. Because the game is a recreation of, because Laura was the first one they killed together. Right, and that's what they mentioned. Once father's gone. But you can assume that the father was doing it prior. Right, I was going to say, this seems to be what father would do he'd bring in this new young secretary he'd end up getting some head probably fuck her for a few months and then exactly and then what they also say is that their first killing happened when their father was out hunting Mm -hmm. so it was their chance to recreate this game so i don't think there's any way they got some new young secretary to give mother's fucking (laughs) strap on head no, 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 no. i don't think so but because father's gone now they're going to play it out like he would have done it yeah exactly it's a it's a play for them okay 
we had to talk about that because that's all. No, it's a super it's, important part of this film. It's super important because it ends up coming back around. <laughs> it does. There's a loop. I like it. But it's also just like, yeah, this is what's happening in this movie, by the way. like That, I think, maybe the first time through can confuse people a little bit because this film, you don't know exactly who's telling the truth, if there's any truth to it. And then the way it plays out, you're like, okay, 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 yeah, yeah. She's playing a character. She's not Laura. Don't confuse it. Don't get it conflated. We already mentioned she's raping him right off the bat. Man, she couldn't help it. He's actually unconscious at that point, right? Like from the Luger bonk. Yeah, she knocked the shit out of him, drug him in the house, and that's when they started like looking He's through his shit. He's not just playing shit. dumb like he is later. No, well, what I like about that scene is when they discover him is they're still talking to you because mom's sick on the bed and mm -hmm. she's cupping her. Oh, yeah, yeah, And then she's like, mommy said, who's at the door? And then she's like... That was fucking great. I, I like that, that kind of stuff, you know? And that's pretty much how they encounter him. She goes downstairs and she, that's where she's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, and then... Uh, while they're looking through him, you've already mentioned they find his notebook about Laura and the Singapore slang ingredients. So this movie is subtitled The Man Who Loved a Corpse. First time through, I thought mom was going to buy it from that heart attack. That's but good, that, isn't it? But that the daughter was going to like force him to fuck the mom or something. <laughs> You're like, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but no, it was good. It was good because it was, a, it was a good psych out. And because I hadn't seen this movie in so long, I was like, I don't remember her dying this early in the film. Mm -hmm. But no, it was, it was a psycho. It was good. It was good. It was well, no. It, it was stopped her from doing what she was doing. And it's a fucked up way to keep somebody from raping a not It really is. It's so fucked up. The fact you're on death to keep somebody from raping somebody else. Because <laughs> you want to rape said person <laughs> first. Oh, fuck. Yeah. They wasn't doing it for the right reasons. Because it, it's definitely more because <laughs> the daughter doesn't have permission. Right. She's still in this She's subservient slave, role. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which I think is interesting, too. That comes back and play. And possibly, I wouldn't necessarily my favorite line, but it's one of my favorite scenes, perhaps, in the film. We'll talk about when it gets there. Yeah, they dub him Singapore slang. You know what? I was off my game this morning. It's okay. I was going to try to get together the shit so that we could talk about this while sipping on some oh, Singapore yeah. slings. Yeah. But that didn't end up happening. That's all right. And maybe for the better, because I don't really like gin that much. I, you know, honestly, I'm not a big, I'm not a big, like any kind of liquor per se. I'm like, ugh, gin, not so much. On occasion, I might drink a whiskey or bourbon, but ugh, I don't fuck But with I think it a whole the bunch. cherry and the lemon in there would have balanced out the gin pretty well. Yeah, so. I would have been fine with that. I don't mind sweet liqueur drinks. Yeah. Yeah. Did you look up the drink Singapore sling at all? No, not really. Not really. So I looked this up. Because I was curious. I'm like, okay, they're naming him after this fucking cocktail. What's the cocktail? Turns out, like, there's an official version now, but it pretty much just depends on where you go and, and who your it. fucking bartender is. <laughs> yeah. The only constant is basically, like, gin, lemon juice, and some sort of cherry flavor. Gotcha. But where those come from... Can vary. Can vary quite a bit. Yeah. Huh. So, like, the Wikipedia page gives two different versions, like the official IBA, International Bartenders Association version, and it gives a classic version. But it literally says, like, when you're reading through all the information on the page, it's like, if you're trying to get a specific version of this, you should indicate to the bartender which era you want it. Like, I want, like the 1940s Singapore sling or whatever. Yeah. I can't remember when. It, it might have not been even invented until like the 60s or something like that. But So that's pretty neat. But you would say like, I want like this year's version or I want huh. this year's version because it, it's changed so many wow. times over time. It evolves. I'm going to look it up right now while you say whatever the next thing we're going to talk about is. All right. So once I go rifling through his shit, give him his name, which coincidentally enough is the name of the film. And... They start the mind games with them because the picture, there's a picture of the daughter. And I was like, this is a, a direct homage reference to Otto Preminger's film, which we've already mentioned. And uh, yeah, like, I think it is a little bit later on when uh, the women go to, to sleep or whatever. She sneaks off and she's got to have them. <laughs> and uh, what I think is interesting, when uh, some of this rape and, you know, this deviancy is happening... There's usually some kind of classical music that accompanies it or some very artistic shot. and Yeah, that's like where a lot of the Rachmaninoff comes in. And like... Yeah, and they play Julie London's Laura, the theme for the film Laura, mm. you know, on the record player. And I'm like, man, 
All right, let's think about this. Now, this is all hypothetical, but if you were in this situation and this chick was raping you and throwing up on you while she's playing this record that... First of... <laughs> that can- if she's throwing up on so on oh, film, man. I don't have too much of a problem with it. There's been a couple times here or there where it starts to trigger me a little bit. <laughs> In real life, I'm not a 100% sympathy puker. <laughs> right. But if it's getting on me, she ain't the only one puking. <laughs> That's so gross, man. But what I was getting at is like, how fucked up is it? Not only is she doing all that to him and degrading him, but she's playing a record and the song happens to be Laura, and that's who he's looking for, and that's who she's playing. Mm. <laughs> it's like that's all kinds of demented. But in this sense, it becomes off kind of stylish. Yeah, which is it kind of goes against the grain. It's in a sense, it's a little bit of an oxymoron. This isn't what you would associate this kind of stuff with. Yeah, I could have done without the puke, man. Yeah, I could too. But I'm, I'm glad they didn't lean heavy on it because yeah. that can really, really. There's a film I'm not going to have to mention it. We mentioned it before, but woof. Yeah, I don't get down with people puking for that sake. When she snuck out of bed to go do the puke sex, that was the least sneaky, sneaky sneak oh, out yeah, of bed. Dude. <laughs> dude. Yeah, yeah. Mom's like, I know what that little whore's doing. <laughs> that was fucking funny. I liked when it started becoming the back and forth between them. Yeah, it's fun. It because makes it in interesting. The, in the very beginning of this movie, they seem to be very much on the same page. And right. as it goes, that's where you start to see the fractures where it's like, okay, they're in this master-slave relationship, <laughs> but it seems more because the daughter's simply been abused from a young age and can't really say no to this rather than actually wanting to be in it. Yeah, you're right. It's just it's like, all right, all right fuck it. We're playing but another game. She, but the daughter is also legitimately just as hypersexual as the mother, so yeah. she's also not 100% against it. It's yeah. okay until she has the opportunity to get rid of it. Yeah, it's, it's something she can deal with until <laughs> she's in every sense of the word. Traditionally, these two women are the femme fatales, but because they don't play that role out, it's completely <laughs> the opposite. These aren't necessarily women that you desire or chase after when you figure out what the hell they do. Now, at least you're into this kink stuff, which I, I'm not kink shaming, but who boy. All right, so I looked up the two different Singapore slings. Nice. I mean, other than the fact, like I said, I'm not the biggest fan of gin. They don't actually sound <laughs> that, that looks bad. actually pretty nice, though. So here's the super fancy IBA official one, which is not the one that I was going to put together. Is gin, cherry brandy, Cointreau, Benedictine, grenadine, pineapple juice, lime juice, and Angostura bitters. Okay. Pour all ingredients into a cocktail shaker, fill with ice cubes, shake well, strain into a highball, garnish with pineapple and a cocktail cherry. That doesn't sound too bad. It'd probably be sweet. Yeah, it looks sweet. The one I was going to do is the classic Singapore sling, which is gin, cherry brandy, lemon juice, soda water. Ooh, nice. That (laughs) sounds good too. Hell yeah. Garnished with a lemon slice and a cocktail cherry. Ooh, nice. I always like cherries in my uh, mixed drinks. Put a nice little twist to it. So, you know, there's all sorts of different ways you can do it. Wow. I'm like looking at it, I'm seeing like other people use like triple sec instead of the, the Cointreau. And... Gotcha. There's typically a cherry of some sort and it looks like a lot of fruit typically. Yeah. Which is fun. That would make a pretty tasty drink. <laughs> the lemon and the cherry, I think will make me get through the gin because I do want to kind of try it now that I've looked it up. Yeah, yeah, Alex, I'm not the, the biggest fan of gin. But, you know, I'm not knocking those who like it either. You know what, while we're still in the holiday season and now we're talking about gin and just getting completely off topic from this movie for a second, but so we can laugh about this together, <laughs> one of our younger coworkers, still learning the ways of the alcohol game, decided to try eggnog with gin yeah. instead of going with a, you know, any dark liquor. I know. <laughs> Oof, man, does not sound good at all. No, that sounds Oof. fucking terrible. <laughs> They make a fucking turtle face. Gross. Yeah, anyway, I'll, t- I'll tell you who it was. No, that's fine. That's fine. But oof. <laughs> Once again, ew. Yeah, good luck. I'd almost rather go for her puke. Yeah. Because at least I'm getting ridden at the same time. I know, I know. It's like, you know what? Sometimes pain and pleasure, pain and pleasure. Well, and that's the thing, too. Like, as the torture goes on, you get like, we're going to ride the shit out of you, but electrocute your head a bit. Man, that was gnarly 
And then when I've had my fill, I'm just going to piss on your face. Yeah. It's like, I want to pee on your face. <laughs> she rubbing her. Yeah. I'm like, wow. Wow. These women are something else. I think all of the sexual tortures, you could probably go into and talk about exactly what's going on there and like the power dynamics at play and shit. Oh, right. You're right. I know you're saying. I don't have the degree I, to talk about that. We, I don't know how many times we said that they made that claim. It's like, in this case, we're not like psychoanalysts, anything like that. We can only give our opinion, but I don't know enough of the subjects to really give you an honest opinion. The food denial was gnarly. Whew, there are stuff on their face and it's so gross. And you could tell there's there's moments where they want to puke, probably like for real, for real, mm-hmm. and not just for the film's sake. When they start off eating like good looking food, but then it looks like, I don't know, like sheep size oh, or something. Yeah, like, and she's like really digging out shit in the skull. You're like, ooh, ooh, ugh. And then they do start puking. Mm-hmm. And the whole while he's watching them and they're teasing him with drink. He's dehydrated. He's weak. His shoelace is still untied. Uh, and then a little bit later on, yeah, she goes upstairs and pleasures herself. All that while, too, it's stylistic. It's not gratuitous and like, I guess, the, the natural sense of that word. That's the part, too, where it's like she wants to go with the dude. Yeah, yeah. And the mom's like, nah, fuck off. Go to your room. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to have some fun. She's like, I'm going to have some fun. And so she goes and it's like in Footloose. <laughs> when he gets pissed and goes and like dances it off, yeah. she goes and like pretends she's having sex with the dude it off. Yeah, yeah. She's flicking the bean off. <laughs> <laughs> but she's all over the place. She's like, she and I want to take it like this, and I want to take it like this, yeah, and I want to take it like this. I w- you know, <laughs> one thing I can say about this is, man, these women, especially her, like, that's being bold you know, to portray that on film and pull it off and, mm-hmm. you know, hats off. But damn, man, that's, phew. There's not very many people you're going to find that's willing to do that. No. It's a little bit before that she starts trying to, like, be like, by the way, I'm Laura. Yeah. Laura um, actually lived. I'm Laura. Yeah, so it's like shortly after that, mom goes downstairs. She's, she's like, finding this, quote, unquote, scales. She says the cum is leaking mm. through the roof and all that stuff. And she says he's not scared anymore. She says, nay, papa. I'm not scared. But then, the, yeah, the daughter dresses up as Laura. That's when they start to play the game. Yeah, <laughs> I wrote, his shoelace is still untied. Oh, they started playing the, the secretary game with Singapore sling. Mm-hmm. And then the mom starts to do the vowel exercise with them. A, E, you know, doing yeah. all that. And she's like, yes, water, water. Oh, she says, I want water. Who killed Laura? <laughs> he's fucking with them, you know? I was like, this is when he's attempting to tie his shoelace because he bends over. But then she tosses a whip because she has Laura in the other room. She's torturing her. She's like, whip me, whip me, Singapore sling. And he's just wanting to tie his shoe. Then, so listening to his narration, uh-huh. even as fucking delirious as he got, he never actually thinks it's Laura if you're listening no, to no, his no, narration. No, 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 no. He's already admitted a long time ago that he was in love with the corpse. He's already assumed that she's dead, given the circumstances. But they're like, we're tricking him. Yeah, I'm Laura. <laughs> Yeah, no. they're, they're going to fuck Do you think they really believed they were tricking him? I think so, after a while. I think so, too. Yeah. After a while, yeah. Because they keep playing the charades. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, we got him fucked up. <laughs> so this is where they finally give him water in the form of, like, <laughs> I don't know, dunking him in the tub, holding oh, him under yeah. and shit. It's like, yeah, you got water, but, you know, it's probably not the way you want it, <laughs> regardless. But then what they start to do is maybe... I don't know if this was their intention just to bring him back to health because it, it backfires, you know, of course. But they start to give him food, but then they gorge him on the food. They just stuff him, and they're taunting him like, oh, you're going to puke. He's doing all that. Uh, and then mommy has sex with him out in the garden. Mm-hmm. You know, daughter's watching all that. Then she has her infamous fruit scene because mommy's out there fucking him in the garden. <laughs> like, damn. See, I wondered if it was a fig because... I think also in French, but definitely in Italian, like, fig is slang for pussy. <laughs> I can see that. I would imagine there's something to that effect in Greek as well, mm-hmm. you know? But, phew, yeah, there is a lot of symbolism in this film, too, I have to mention. One thing of note that he likes to do, at least in this film, I don't know if it's him or the cinematographer, the combination of the both, is there's usually a storm 
and those plants and shots of those plants. Mm. And it's almost like an interlude into something sexual or something sinister. But once again, I think it's symbolic of the female, they're wet, perhaps. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then nonsense ensues. But okay. <laughs> he's out there digging the grave. So as soon as he starts digging up the grave, this was the one thing that kind of pissed me off. Because as soon as he started doing that, I'm like, oh, he's digging his own grave. And then when I was right, I was like, I shouldn't have been able to call that that easy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Pretty on the nose, you know? Try to throw it off for a second because they right. do that cut to them and they're doing the, the talk to the camera together and they're like, we don't know who it's for. It might be for him. Might, might be, be for us. me. Might be for you. It's might be for you. you. Might be for all three of us. Yeah. But they know it's no good regardless. But they want to make sure that it's that mm -hmm. he's digging his own grave. So they need to kind of wrap this game up essentially is what this amounts to. The daughter starts to get the torture aspect of the game She's in the bondage gear. Right. She's like getting electrocuted and all that stuff. And then the mom starts to like waterboard her with the funnel and shit. Mm -hmm. It's like, damn, I wonder how intense it got with them actually doing that. Right. It's like, phew, not easy. But then that rainstorm starts to move in. So that's what I get with the storm. There's usually something sinister behind it, you know, even though it's stylish. They have the threesome. They played like the gun game mm -hmm. where they keep exchanging the gun. Once again, they play the record. The record's kind of another thing they do in that film, Laura. So it only makes sense they do that in this film, too. I already mentioned that before. But uh, the mother eventually goes upstairs because she has a lace and she steals father's knife. And then they play a game of who stole the knife. It's missing. There can only be one person who has it. You know, and I'm wondering, too, at this point, how much the daughter's kind of out of it at this point. Like, how much she believing? Well, because they're both getting a little bit more wacky as the movie goes on right especially once this stuff starts no pun but starts to ramp up mm -hmm. with, with singapore sling because it feels like okay this guy's starting to kind of come to you we got to wrap this up well i think by the time the knife gets stolen i felt like it was almost the most sinister part of the movie i think it's right before that happens and it's while singapore sling is out digging the grave he kneels down and he ties the shoe that's when you know he's in control because he starts to do like the ear thing mm -hmm. and the mouth thing with the water. To me, that symbolized that he's come to his senses. He has full control over what he can do and what he can't do. And that's when the power dynamic shifts. I wish it was more clear how he actually teamed up with the daughter because they definitely team up on the mom. They do. And I, I think maybe because she sees him as the new daddy. Mm-hmm. Perhaps, I don't know, but maybe she's buying a little bit too much into the game as her way of getting out of, you know, mommy's dynamic, that slave dynamic. And it's not something I need to see. It's just like, at a certain point, I was like, mom's doing a pretty good job of keeping them apart after a little bit. There was those few times in the beginning when she was definitely getting away down there. And yeah. maybe it's intimated that that continued happening. But I felt like mom was doing a good job of keeping in better control as it went on. No, you're right. You're right. In which case, when do they make that plan? Yeah. And how much time has elapsed, too, mm -hmm. between the time he showed up at the doorsteps till these moments? Because I legit feel like it's like a month. Yeah, I was like, you could really read into it. It feels like the way it's shot, it could be just a few days. But I don't think that's the mm -hmm. case, dude. He was fucked up and... It takes a while for them to do what they have been doing. Yeah, I feel like it's probably more like a month. Uh, yeah, personally, I could see that. Let's see here. Yeah, he ties his shoe. I like that. Like I said, we've already talked about how to me they are, and I know probably for you too. It's okay. He's ready. He's got his shit together. What they wind up doing is the two women they plan on torturing him and killing him, but instead, what happens is he starts to engage in that sexual game of revenge with them. He turns on the record player and he walks out. And he kind of looks over, and that's when he and she get mommy in the tub, and they're holding her under, and then he drives that. It looks like a pitchfork. Yeah, I think it's a pitchfork. Yeah, and even that stylistic, like the way mommy dies in daughter's arms. You know, oh, yeah, and you get the, the blood. and all. Mm -hmm. It's it's not bad, man. It's actually pretty decent. Well, because there's almost that moment of regret for the daughter, but she's more just like... <laughs> Now I don't have to live with your fucking rules. And I can smoke. <laughs> yeah. Like we said, she's kind of in a state of arrested development. Yeah, yeah. And it's like after being a kid for so long, it's like she's finally becoming a teenager in the worst way. I know. It definitely feels like that. Like <clears throat> she's at the later stage of her development where that's what 
girls usually do in their teens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Try to separate from their mom. It's just that she does it murderously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Ooh. But then she starts to narrate on how um, she and Singapore Sling cut up mommy and it was messier than what mom said it was supposed mm-hmm. to be like. And then they filled her stomach with stones and they tried to sew her up, but they couldn't. So they dumped her in the grave. And this is where I liked how they do the wraparound monologue at the beginning of the film where she talks about the game because she still repeats that again. It was so close to that first time that I wondered if that stream was fucked up. No, no, it's definitely not. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. No. OK. Yeah. And, and that's then, you know, the it shows mommy or daddy. Him. Yeah. Yeah. He's taken on daddy slash mommy role, but he's got a little surprise for her this time. Yeah. And she says that she's just like, no, no, this is not. <laughs> and that's when I knew like, okay, yeah, she's still trying to fuck with him. Or still I, trying to play that role. After they did the pretty good gore earlier in the movie and there hadn't been any in a long time, I was kind of curious if she was just going to end up fucking and just throated? eating. Yeah, just deep throat in the fucking knife dildo. Oof. That would have been pretty wild. But they don't go that route. They go a different route, which is pretty gruesome but i mean of course you don't see anything per se i mean there's a the chase sequence is kind of cheesy i mean it is it is but that's where it felt very theatrical yeah and and classical in that sense and i think that's probably the intent it felt like classical cinema like 50s silver screen i totally agree with that yeah because it's it's slow and methodical and you know it's it does feel old school and even though he grabs her a few times in ways that should have resulted in her being stabbed. It doesn't happen until it's supposed to happen. Right. I did put in my notes, I was like, you know, during that too, she does manage to find the time to get that Luger. Right. So she's at least prepared for her encounter. But he's a two-pump chump. Yeah, he, he didn't need much. He just grabbed her, boom, boom. You know, she's like bleeding, but she gets the shot off, you know. She got his ass. I thought it was kind of funny how, like, every 15 seconds during that super long, drawn-out death scene for both of them, she would suddenly reach down to her crotch to make sure she was still bleeding. Yes, like, yep, it's happening. So do you think he got one in each hole? Maybe. Because he got the boom, boom. Yeah, perhaps. It doesn't discriminate. (laughs) That knife doesn't discriminate. Uh, You know, perhaps, man, I don't know, that's wild. (laughs) The line she says that I feel encompasses the whole film is this is where it becomes like the tragic element of the film. And she says to him, because they're having like that little embrace before she shoots him again. She says, you see how right I was when I said you were in love with the corpse and now the dead became true. Mm-hmm. You know, because she even says that like while she's just like, forget Laura, forget Laura. She's just a ghost. She's just a name. She do, She does that. That's a part of the film. So some of the stuff that's in this film is lifted directly out of the Laura film, Mm. you know, so it makes sense in that context, you know, it's just. Gotcha. When he then gets up. Yeah. I'm like, okay. Considering he walked into this movie already shot and he ended up living, I was almost wondering if after (laughs) her weird long drawn out death after reshooting him, they were just going to have him get up and walk out of there. (laughs) Yeah. It was like, man, he got it way too easy after getting popped. But he just gets up, gets dressed, holds his shit together because he's gut shot and he makes yeah, sure that it's tight and his coat's nice and tight to keep all of his shit in. Unlike the guy in the beginning whose guts fall out. Yeah, good point, man. And he delivers himself to his grave and even starts fucking pulling the dirt down. <laughs> you know, he even recognizes the errors in his judgment and what the guys at the office are going to think about him and Mm -hmm. how right they were but they didn't know to what extent and uh, he says well at least i know i'll be in good company because they were all chasing a ghost named laura essentially that's how they all wound up in that ditch (laughs) because of that name and i was like that's pretty clever man because now knowing that and because you know we're analyzing all these films that we review it made me think about Twin Peaks, too. And I'm like, damn. Because if you really watch that show and follow it, it's like a lot of the interactions from the original film, Laura, David Lynch borrows from, Nicolaitis borrows from, everybody's in love with Laura to some degree. And it's it's interesting. I like that. 
it just shows how simple it is, but how effective it can be too. Right. Three different variations of the same kind of story. I feel like I could watch this movie like another 10 times and I'd be able to tell you even more about it. Because wow. I think there is more to say about the last half where I kind of trailed off a little bit. I just, there's, <laughs> that's the other thing though. Like as much as there is to say about it, how much was intended considering how much he intended it just to be a comedy. Yeah, exactly. I don't think he meant too much more than that. And it's, most of his films do center on certain themes with women. Mm-hmm. You know, I've read that much at least, but I did want to mention before we go sign off on this episode, one of my favorite lines in this film, maybe scenes as I was saying earlier is where they're going to introduce Singapore sling into like the bondage slave role. Mm-hmm. And the daughter's like, she's trying to explain to the mom. She's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he knows all these roles. And she's like trying to tell her when she was like, um, and then blah, 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 blah. See, he knows them all. <laughs> <laughs> he, he told me earlier. <laughs> those scenes and those moments aren't supposed to be funny, but it is funny in this film's, you know, the context of this film. So yeah, I, I like that stuff. And, using the classical music and Glenn Miller and Julie London. Man, it shows you how stylistic, gory and taboo subjects can be, you know, if done in the right hands. And it's still considered extreme, and I can see why. It's absolutely... It's not for everybody, dude. It's absolutely extreme. It's not for everybody. There's a lot of stuff that will put a lot of people off. I don't know who I would actually recommend this to. Like I said, I will give a generic recommend. Like if you thought The Lighthouse needed more incest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here's something I would propose, maybe a challenge, but I think this film could benefit, at least for us too, is a female perspective on the film. Given that two out of the three characters are female, Mm -hmm. it would be interesting. Now, granted, are they willing to sit through this kind of stuff? Because it can come off, you know exploitative and all kinds of other different directions, but it would still be neat to have some perspective on it. Mm-hmm. I agree, but I can't give that to you. I can't either, but you know, you know uh, what else I can't give to you? X going to give it to you. <laughs> I can't give to you what we're doing next week yet. Oh, uh, not yet, but whatever it is, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Are we done? Do you have anything else to say on this movie? I don't want to just wrap it up if we don't have to. No, check it out. It's To me, that the thing that blew my mind mm-hmm. is the fact that Synapse carries mm-hmm. this film. And I wound up buying it, I think, at a record store I've mentioned before in the past for like 12 bucks or whatever it was. So I was like, man, <laughs> I'm glad I found it when I found it. Because like I was mentioning to you last week, it's like there's not a lot of people that talk about this film. I can see the reasons why, but I can also like say maybe you want to give it another chance. You might be yeah. surprised. For this week, I'm Tyler. I'm Danny. Fried Squirms? Out. Hi, everybody. Tyler here. If you like the podcast, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Also, if you could rate and review us however you're listening to us, or preferably over on Apple Podcasts, that'd be super cool as the entire world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in them. Uh, We highly appreciate it whenever you tell all your friends about us. If you have any suggestions, comments questions, want us to put eyes on your current independent horror project, you can always contact us, squirmcast at gmail.com, or you can contact us through our website, www.friedsquirms.com. Scroll through our entire back catalog there, or click the links up at the top as we are part of the Earverm Podcast Network, uh, and would love it if you went and checked out some of our sister shows. Uh, the easiest way to keep track of things across the entire network is to go over to that website. That's earverm.com, E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Uh, you can search for us across all the social medias. If you type in Fried Squirms, we should be what pops up. I'm not going to give you all those ads. So with all of that in mind, we'd love to hear from you. Until next time. Peace.